Hi, and welcome to Black White. But mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between right and wrong are blurred by our own personal vision of reality. If we take the time to look beyond the labels, we understand that most things are complex and nuanced. Not every situation is good or bad. Not everything is right or wrong. There are many gray areas in life, and that's what we want to explore. So open your minds and join us. My name is David Murray, and I am creator and owner of Think Free Threads and Things, a Black-owned online apparel company. Our apparel is fun, simple, and think-free, with messages that encourage us to think freely, independently, creatively, intelligently, and wisely. We are excited to be the exclusive provider of Black, White, but Mostly Great apparel. You can check it out along with everything else we offer on our website, thinkfreethreadsandthings.com. That's thinkfreethreadsandthings.com. You can also find more info and a link to our website on the Grapevine page of butmostlygray.com. If we think free, we will move closer to achieving a more fair and equitable society for all people. everyone. Welcome to Black, White, but Mostly Gray. I hope you caught our season two premiere featuring a fascinating discussion with NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Kramer. And Bob Fox, the co-author of Jerry's latest book, Run to Win. We talked about Aaron Rodgers, Jim Brown, and other famous athletes who wield influence and use their platform to address social and political issues. In this episode, Dan and I are going to continue the discussion. We'll talk about how Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, and Colin Kaepernick used their platforms as star athletes to speak out on issues that were important to them. We'll also have a fascinating interview with a talented actor and singer living in New York City who also has an online apparel company that's going to offer our stuff a leaky black, white, but mostly gray apparel. But first, it's time to delve into the fascinating but sometimes scary mind of our favorite Gemini. Yes, it's time for a leaky's world. Oh, Deno, my mind is no scarier than yours. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. Are you ready to explain some of your recent social media posts to me and our but mostly gray community? You know it. Let's go. Okay. The first is some advice you posted on dealing with difficult family members. Can you read it for us? Yes. It says, you are not obligated 
to have relationships with your family members who are not good for your mental health. You know, especially during the holidays and post-holidays, that's, that's some pretty good advice. I think we all try everything we can to get along with our family members, but sometimes it's just toxic. Yeah, especially when you see them like maybe once a year, you know, or a, f- a few times a year. And, you know, you're on, on the opposite ends of the political spectrum or in any other situation. And it, sometimes it is the closest people to us that can really rile us up. So, yeah, I, I really think it's important to take your mental health seriously. And if you have someone in your family that's just never reasonable, and they just take you from zero to a hundred, you know, you have every right to, you know, keep them at arm's length. You can always love uh, people from a distance. All right, let's move on to the next one. Here's one you posted when you're feeling kind of down. I kind of got on your case about it. Can you read it and replace the F word with something else, please? <sighs> I simply said, I love life, but it is freaking traumatizing. Sometimes all I want to do is throw myself on the ground and cry like an inconsolable toddler. Well, I kind of felt it was a bit defeatist. You kind of felt, you know, it was somewhat empowering. You got a lot of good feedback, a lot of nurturing comments, right? Yeah, that was very nice. I felt loved. I guess I was looking for attention, one. (laughs) Two. (laughs) Secondly, I, you know, I think it's important um, for us to sometimes just throw our hands up in the air and say, this is how I feel. And that's coming from someone who has been running from her feelings and her emotions. It's difficult for me to cry, Dan. Literally, I have to watch a movie, one of these tear jerkers for me to, you know, let the tears flow most of the time because, you know, I grew up with the older sisters and particularly my older sister who she can cry at a drop of her head. And she used to get made fun of all the time. And so I vowed not to cry, like, especially in public, any, like something, I can't even do it when I'm alone. <laughs> so it's just really strange. But I think a lot of people feel that way. I was uh, fascinated by how many people actually just were encouraging me to do it, especially other women. <laughs> uh, because I, it does. I, I didn't leave. notice that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's wrap this up with our final post which offers some good advice from Confucius, who's got a lot of good advice. Aliki, you want to read this one to us? Confucius said that a seed grows with no sound, but a tree falls with a huge noise. Destruction has noise, but creation is quiet. This is the power of silence. Grow silently. You know, you're really hitting this silent thing hard lately, Aliki. Last last time we talked about your post that silence isn't empty, it's full of answers. Silence emphasizes the importance of inner growth and self-improvement without seeking attention. And it really uh, encourages us to do some introspection. It's important for us to reflect and go inward. So I think that uh, I'm going to keep hopping on that point. It's, it's more for myself than others, but I think, you know, a lot of people will see that there's value in it if they you know, try it. It's just a little ironic that you would be talking so much about silent. I don't, I don't know. I don't always think about you and silence in, in the same sentence. You see, that's part of, <laughs> that's, 
that's the fascinating thing about being a Gemini. You know, there's always two sides. Most people think, you know, I'm just a chatterbox, but I'm also that person who loves to be silent a lot. So never judge a book by its cover. All right. Once again, some good stuff from our favorite Gemini. We'll be right back with our very special guest, David Murray. Stick around. Pleased to have David Murray with us today. David's a creator and owner of thinkfreethreadsandthings.com, a black-owned online apparel company. And we have some really exciting news. Think Free Threads is going to offer a black, white, but mostly gray t-shirt through its online store. Wow, that's awesome, David. I'm so excited about this news. Yes, thanks, y'all. I'm really excited as well. Um, when this opportunity came up, we did not hesitate. I mean, I love, we love what you do at Black, White, but mostly gray. And you are certainly aligned with our mission of working towards a more fair and equitable society. We certainly are. David, I was looking at your collections online and you've got some cool and thought-provoking garments. Who comes up with your designs and what inspires them? Well, I would say about 90% of the designs are conceived by me. And the others are in collaboration with some graphic designer friends that I've had the pleasure of working with over the years. As far as uh, inspiration, uh, first comes most importantly from my own experiences uh, growing up in the South, being a grandma's boy. I remember sitting in her kitchen, listening to her chit chat to her friends, occasionally gossiping, <laughs> but most importantly, <laughs> Uh, imparting uh, good wisdom in me as a young age uh, that really helped shape my worldview. Thirdly, I would say also as an actor, as an artist, uh, I'm very curious and observant uh, of everything around me. So I tend to soak everything up. That could be as simple as taking a stroll through the New York streets or going to Central, Central Park, uh, listening to people's conversations. I can even, you know, go outside my apartment. I hear a quote and I'm like, oh, yes, that's a T-shirt. So I can get inspiration from everything I see around me, especially and I know you two have spent some time in New York City. So you understand that this city is a. Uh, a hub for international pe uh, people that come here all over the world. And there's a lot of inspiration that can be uh, drawn from this city. Um, also, I'm a political nerd, so I get some influences from uh, our political system, the ups and downs, most importantly, the complications uh, mm -hmm. in our political system. <laughs> also, being a Black man in this country and an artist, uh, I want to make sure that my art and what I put out in the world reflects the times. Uh, that is the current events, anything that you know affects the African-American community, i.e. the Black Lives Movement, uh, the George Floyd incident, which is actually one of the main events uh, that brought this company into existence. David, Think Free Threads is just one of your passions and a bit of a side hustle, isn't it? In real life, you're an incredible, talented singer, actor, 
roles in Jersey Boy, Sister Act, Ragtime, numerous others performed in New York City and, and throughout really the country. You also regularly perform aboard the Norwegian Cruise Line Cruise. You appear regularly at the Gospel Choir at First Church in Brooklyn. How'd your music and acting journey start for you? Uh, well, it actually started as a little five-year-old kid jumping up and down in the kids' choir in church. Uh, that's where I got my start. Um, like I said, I'm a grandma's boy, so she has video to prove it. Um, mm -hmm. But I started in church singing, uh, dancing. And then about the time I got into middle school, uh, well, also, I come from a family of musicians and singers, um, so it's kind of in my genes. But once I got to middle school, I kind of decided to move more towards the musician part of it. So I started taking piano lessons and uh, I picked up alto saxophone and I got really into marching band. So that was my big thing. I loved uh, it's a big thing in the South. We go to the football games and we perform, we march and it's it's just great. And I really fell in love with it. And I was going to be a band director. But my family decided to relocate to Wisconsin, where uh, marching band is not a big thing. So once I got there, I kind of started to switch back to singing. I joined the choir, and then I got encouraged by um, one of the musical directors, Holly Stanfield, who's one, one of my uh, um, uh, mentors. Uh, she encouraged me to audition for my first musical, uh, Les Miserables, and I played the role of Andras, and um, I absolutely fell in love with theater. I fell in love with the entire experience, and uh, I decided then that that's what I wanted to do for my career. And so I went on and uh, studied at the University of Stevens Point um, in their theater and dance program, where I got a, a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in musical theater. That's where and we then, met. Yes, that's where yes. we met. Yep. Stevens Point Connection. Yes, Stevens Point. Point. Pointer power. <laughs> yes. No pointers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've been in New York ever since then, ever, ever since graduating. David, how old were you when you moved to Wisconsin? Uh, so this was sophomore year in high school. So I'm 16, 14, yeah, 14, 15. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and you... And one thing that that I I found out about you that I, I thought was quite amazing is when you, Im, Im, I was gonna say immigrated. I'm thinking about you like <laughs> of you like I, like I mean, it's that way. Yeah, <laughs> when we moved to Wisconsin, you had a southern accent, mm -hmm. right? And then over the years, it's totally disappeared. Tell tell yes. us about that. Uh, That's very interesting because when I so people don't understand like there are different southern accents. Mississippi has this own particular one it's a mix of ebonics and it's a mi mix of southern like ebonics we cut off words like and then you also have the mississippi twang in the mix so it's really really difficult for people in the north <laughs> to understand what we're saying right. so when i moved my musical theater teacher she pointed out hey you know it's not an issue that you know you have this accent but we want to we want you to be able to be flexible enough to move into general American English when doing theater, right? And so I I met with a speech therapist. We literally went through the alphabet and we went through relearning English in a way. 
And it still comes back. Like if I'm on the phone with my grandma, oh, it's mm-hmm. coming back. When I talk about food, it comes back. You know, it's just, it's still in there. Like I didn't get rid of it. It's a part of my right. identity. Right. But I had to be flexible if I, you know, want to be an actor to kind of move between accents. So that's amazing. I should take mm-hmm. one of those classes. Maybe I can get rid of my Afri- my Ugandan one. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get rid of it, but yes, I, I see exactly what you mean. Awesome. And I know I know you just finished up a musical um, called Broadway Holiday. Looked like a fun cast. What's up next? Yes, yeah, that was a fun. It was in uh, Sonoma, California. Um, but next up, I'll be doing uh, The Sister Act, which is the same story based on the uh, musical well, movie that Whoopi Goldberg was in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be playing the role of Sweaty Eddie in Sister Act at the Slow Burn Theater in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And then immediately after that, I'll be heading to Minneapolis to um, perform as Mr. in the now hit movie musical, The Color Purple, um, at the La- yeah, La Teda Theater in Minneapolis. A lot of the information I'll definitely put on my website uh, if you want to come see me or if you live, live near as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, David. And thanks for including uh, new threads on your uh, website. I can't wait to go shopping and I'm excited about the options. I definitely want to see some fitted tees, maybe extra, extra (laughs) smalls too. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I got you. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with more. So please stick around. The McGinnity Family Foundation seeks to transform the world by helping young people use their innovative spirit to address local and global challenges. Our quarterly grant cycle is open and we are accepting applications. We invite young people aged 30 and under to apply for grants to fund their game-changing, socially innovative projects that address community needs. We are specifically looking for projects that align with our sustainability framework and address mental health, racial equality, and or a community need that resulted from COVID-19. Visit the Grapevine page of butmostlygray.com for a link to our website and more information. McGinnity Family Foundation, transforming the world by giving voice to our young people. Welcome back. Oh boy, it was great to hear from David. And I can't wait to model our new clothing line. Dan and I are going to continue the conversation on famous athletes who speak their minds. In our last episode, we talked about how Jim Brown and Aaron Rodgers used their fame as sports celebrities to speak out on issues. Simone Biles is another famous athlete with Packer ties who has used her platform as a star athlete to speak out on issues important to her. Her Packer ties is that she married Green Bay safety Jonathan Owen back in May, and she now shows up at most Packer home games to root for him. And I just love that. Simone is, you know, considered, and she is the most decorated gymnast in history. 
and uh, is considered the greatest of all time uh, in women's gymnastics. More importantly, Simone became one of the poster children for mental health in the wake of the uh, Tokyo Olympics. She withdrew from the Tokyo Olympics after faltering in the team vault, and she, she cited mental health reasons. Yeah, I remember that quite well, actually. Uh, I think that it was the first time I heard of what they call what, twisties. I guess that's a condition that a lot of gymnasts um, face, something about losing control of their mu- muscles and stuff like that. That's and uh, be I thought, dangerous if you're doing gymnastics. Right. And Simone is known for doing some rather like dangerous moves, you know, considered to be very dangerous. Uh, and but anyways, that's why she's she's who she is. She's the greatest of all time in, in, in gymnastics. But I also really do applaud her for taking a stance uh, to speak out on mental health issues and now becoming, you know, kind of, uh, what de- the de facto uh, poster child for uh, mental health for a lot of Americans, young Americans, you know, even those of us who are older, uh, because, you know, society still treats uh, mental health as something that should be kept hidden. She cited uh, Naomi Osaka uh, as a role model for her and said that she followed in her footsteps. And Naomi Osaka is a professional tennis player who withdrew from the uh, French Open citing mental health. And there was a big uproar initially. And then I think everyone realized that and and applauded her for uh, standing up for her mental health. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah. And and Naomi is the first Asian tennis player to be ranked number one by the Women's uh, Tennis Association. And she's also the first uh, Japanese or Asian born player to win a Grand Slam. Yeah, she's a she was born in Japan. Uh, she's an American citizen, but in the last Olympics, she competed for Japan. You know, she says that one thing that she's learned is that almost everyone either suffers from issues related to their mental health or knows someone who does. And she's got a number of messages from people all, all over the world confirming that and affirming her role as as someone willing to stand up and talk about the need to put your mental health first. Yeah, and in, in that Time uh, Magazine article, she wrote, uh, she shared uh, some similar sentiments to those we talked about in season one. Uh, you know, she said that life is a journey, and her journey took her, you know, uh, an ex, you know, to an ex, unexpected path, but uh, a path that has taught her so much and helped her grow. In addition to mental health. She was also one of the first prominent athletes to support the Black Lives Movement in the wake of the murder of uh, George Floyd. She also participated in racial justice protests. She withdrew from a match in uh, 2021 to call attention to police brutality. I think it was at the same time that a number of NBA players did the same. She wore masks honoring. Yeah, she wore masks honoring Black Black American. She she wrote an essay. So Aliki, she really is a woman who has used her platform as a star athlete to speak on issues important to her and really important to everyone. And all at the tender age of what? She's only 24. I think she just had her first child too. She just had a baby girl from what I read. So congratulations to her for the, you know, that big, uh, accomplishment as well 
but uh, she did make me weep though like when when she came out you know with the different masks every time you know with the names of the different victims of police brutality and i'm not a person who actually watches tennis but because of what she was doing i started watching tennis and all i just remember was like uh wiping down my tears every time i saw her because it was like to me it was like you know this this young girl you know with such a, an interesting background too you know she's of asian and black uh you know mixture and you know growing up in america and being so conscious and i saw th- i remember watching this uh interview of her they were interviewing her about in, in her campaign and uh you know she's just so well spoken very soft spoken you know and gets right to the point she's just very articulate i'm very impressed by her well you know another athlete who used his platform uh as a famous athlete to spark a national conversation is Colin Kaepernick. And oh, yeah, yes. Co- Colin, uh, back in 2016, uh, he began kneeling down during the national anthem before NFL games. And he said it was to protest racial ju- injustice. And, you know, it really stirred up uh, an impassioned debate throughout the country uh on on that very simple act of kneeling down because it it really did uh hit different people different ways aliki well colin kaepernick reminds me he's almost kind of like our generation i know he's a bit younger than me uh he's more of a, a millennial millennial um because i think he's 35 he, i don't, I don't he's know kind all of those like, labels but yeah i'll go with whatever you say yeah he's kind of like uh, muhammad ali of our generation you know, um, taking such a stand. And he was at, at at the height of his career at that time, too, wasn't he? When he started speaking out? Well, he was. But, but to you know, to be fair, you know, some people thought what he uh, was doing was very un-American and an insult to the military. They viewed that him kneeling down during the national anthem was disrespectful to the flag because they believe that standing during the anthem is a symbol of patriotism and respect for the country. And they really saw, you know, what he was doing uh, as a form of protest that really undermined the values and sacrifices that were associated with the flag, primarily military. You know, the idea that um, those of us that stand and salute the flag are also honoring those that have uh, fought for those principles. Well, and, and, I mean, I understand that perspective, but <laughs> I always feel like people, uh, people in power and people who stand to lose uh, from actually letting all Americans and for that matter, all human beings have their own freedom and live freely, use such things as a cop out to deny other people their own freedoms. Because what was kept, I mean, what is kneeling? How is kneeling an insult? I, I guess I, I don't I never really got that. But I think, you know, that's another way of uh, limiting people's free speech. And uh, we, we, we live in a country that believes in the freedom of speech. And uh, I just found that to be rather uh, awkward. Or awkward. We're, we're <laughs> also know? a country that that respects and honors those that are willing to give up their life to protect those freedoms. And some felt that 
kneeling down during the national anthem was disrespectful, not to just to the flag, but to all those men and women who have made such sacrifices on the behalf of this country to ensure that we have the freedoms that we do. Understandably, understandable, but I think that's more political than you know reality. And I, I, I don't think Colin uh, Kaepernick really was trying to disrespect the veterans that fought uh, for for these freedoms or anything like that. I mean, that's just my my that's my take on it. And you know, I think kneeling in in most traditions around the world, kneeling is actually it's not disrespectful. You kneel <laughs> to something you actually honor for the most part. That. So in terms of protest, I would think that's probably the most, what's the word I'm looking for? Appropriate. Uh, Appropriate and respectful, actually, way of protesting versus, you know, the stuff we saw taking place in Minneapolis and and other states uh, or cities around the country in 2020 where people are just destroying everything. You would think that the the people who opposed to Kaepernick's way of protest would have actually (laughs) given him a little bit more uh, respect and what you know what they did. I mean, I think his his way of protesting is almost like kind of Gandhi did it. Uh, it wasn't anything like in your face, you know, brutal, destroying you know things. And so I was just kind of taken aback by 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 that uh, perspective that came from uh, the owners of the NFL and a lot of people to the right uh, that thought he was disrespecting the flag and the veterans. I, I guess I will never really get that. But, well, you, you know, know, I guess it's all about perspective. <laughs> it, it all is perspective. Another perspective from an article in the New York Post felt that he was pointing the finger at white America. And they disagreed with that and said that, how could you point the finger at white America when we just elected a black president, not once, but twice? <laughs> That's and, funny. Uh, the Black Lives Matter is one you support, but logical people of all races wonder why. Why don't we support all people? Don't all people matter? It really did drudge up some divisive and controversial feelings in people. And still to this day, you know, there, there, yeah, was, a, I, there was a group of haters that started to spread the narrative that he wasn't even a good player in the first place and didn't deserve to I, be in the league. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. And I think it's just that that just shows how divided we are as a country when it comes to race, because the people who have that advantages in, in, if you're white you know you have advantages over non-white people and i think there's some people who just want to keep things that way and it, it's not to say that you know a lot of things haven't changed over time you know there've been a lot of uh, freedoms and things like that won by black people and other minorities in this country but it is always just the vitriol and that has and we all know, I mean, you, all it takes is like one brain cell to understand that uh, racism is a big problem in this country. And it's a global issue. It even exists in Africa. I mean, you know, in South Africa and all of this. Whenever people just get so hung up on and, and they make it something of like, well, all people matter. Of course, we know all people matter. But are all people getting killed left and right, you know, by the cops, like indiscriminately? No. And, you know, do, electing a, a black president twice really doesn't mean anything, especially when that black president is, is the, you know, is a mouthpiece of policies that still don't really serve, you know, a lot of minorities or, you know, black people and, you know, other people of color in this country. It, it's it's just a, a it's an empty gesture. 
I would take a white president who actually would change certain things to reflect equality in our policies versus, you know, getting a mouthpiece, you know, that looks like us, but really the policies stay the same. So those are just some empty rhetoric as far as I'm concerned. You know, five years later, well, actually we're almost seven years later now, we're still seeing the the effects of the action that Kaepernick took. In fact, uh, there's a journalist, David Zarin, uh, he refers to it as the Kaepernick effect in his book, The Kaepernick Effect, Taking the Knee, Changing the World. Now, he says, and I think this is kind of profound, because if you look back on it, he, he, it was a little prophetic. He said, Kaepernick's effect was the warning for a future that came to pass. Kaepernick did this in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then you had the murder of George Floyd. Then yep. you had the murder of Ahmad Arbery, Breonna Taylor. And it really was a warning that people were poised and ready to fight. And I think we saw that happen in, what was that, 21 and 22 when when, when those things occurred? Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, we've been in the thick of all of that since uh, the lockdown, right? Since 2020. And I think a lot of this stuff is going to continue. And we're entering... Another day, we're studying another year, 2024 going forward. We might start seeing a lot more rhetoric. Not necessarily, a lot of rhetoric. A lot and of a empty lot of, rhetoric. A lot of empty rhetoric and a lot of finger pointing. A and of a lot speech. of, yes, and, uh, and revolutionary type stuff. I, I think, you know, the country is agitated right now because a lot of people just don't feel like their interests are being served. And and I think that's why we are pointing fingers at each other instead of like coalescing and saying, hey, look, <laughs> we're all like in this boat together. Like, you know, we, we, we're going to sink together if we don't work together. You know what I mean? Be- and, and that's really what it's all about. Because at the end of the day, for people who believe they're like the aliens or whatever, if aliens came and landed at the White House and our only chance of survival was to fight together, aren't, aren't we going to do that? Wouldn't we like basically forget about all our differences and uh, and fight to survive? We're I, Americans after all, and and are. none of these, all of these, you know, pointing fingers and the empty rhetoric, like that is nothing but just politics. It is politics, but it also, I think, politics to a certain point reflects what's happening in America today in terms of its divisiveness. I think that it's imperative now more than ever. We listen with open minds. We listen with intent. We listen trying to find some common ground because otherwise 2024 is just going to be a shit show. Oh, yeah. And 2024 is only the beginning. We're at a juncture where we're kind of going through a midlife crisis and we're trying to figure out how we're going to come out of this. And the best way for us to win is to work together and to not let all of these little divisions mess us up and we, we might end up in a civil war and totally destroy the country. I think uh, it's time for us to look at the big picture. And that big picture is that we are family, whether we like it or not. And I think we have to understand that in 2024, let's hear, let's hear more voices than just the typical voices that we hear from the left and from the right. And that's going to include people standing up expressing their views that we want to live in a less divisive world. And mm-hmm. if that's 
you know, and that's athletes as well. I mean, we live in America. Athletes, like anyone else, have a right to express their views and support causes that matter to them. We have a choice to support or ignore them, but they have a right to be heard. Yes, but they should consider the power their words have as celebrities and use that power responsibly. I couldn't agree more. That's going to wrap things up for us today. We invite you to visit our website at butmostlygray.com for more stuff to feed your brain. Please like and share our stuff on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thanks so much for listening. Please keep an open mind, a kind heart, and join us next time for Black, White, But Mostly Gray. Namaste, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>